let me backtrack you to about five years ago or six years ago where I accidentally picked out a girl's hoodie um, in an H&M. It looked really cool to me. I didn't check the tags. I didn't check the environment. I just took it and sent it to checkout. And then they told me, hey, this is actually a girl's hoodie. Are you sure you want to take it home? To which I said, yes, I will take it home. And I wore it a couple times, eventually grew out of it, gave it to my mom, and now she wears it. But that event, that experience, really cemented itself in my brain for some reason. Because now, when I think about clothing, I just think about stuff that I wear. I really don't think about whether it's a man's thing or a women's thing. You know, recently there's been a couple of events to question this thing, sort of Harry Styles wearing a skirt, and now people want to question... Truly, where does masculinity stop? Does it stop at our clothes? Does it stop at... Where, where exactly does it stop? And I think something that really isn't talked about a lot is the fact that these, like, gendered clothing or clothes that have a gender attached to it are really stupid. I'm just going to say straight up, I think it's really dumb that we have to label stuff as a man or a woman's clothes. And this might sound like your typical... SJW type of advice, you know, saying we should abolish gender, we should let everybody wear whatever they want. But the idea here isn't to make it a sort of st political statement that, you know, masculinity is ruining everything, or femininity is getting out of control, or we should all be wearing the same thing. But more so the fact that man clothing and women clothing is such a dumb concept to me. I mean, you're going to wear it on your, on your body like chest measurements and you no know, waist measurements they're a standardized thing it's not like a woman's waist is measured differently than a guy's waist sizes are different for sure but i just i mean a little thing in the tag when you look at a clothing and it says you know men's clothes or female that kind of thing that kind of itches my brain because when i think about it the more i think about it the more i realize you could be wearing a girl's shirt and so few people would notice, if any at all. And that's something that I've had in my mind for a little bit. Because nobody really talks about it. Nobody's ever really said, like, why do we still have female clothes and male clothes? When it comes to stuff like underwear, of course, we, we need that. But I mean just for regular stuff. And I want to go on about that in today's episode of One Side of Talks. Let's do it. Gender clothing is the topic for today, and we're going to be just going on about a couple of ideas about it, a couple of concepts about it, and just in general, why I personally think gender clothing is such a dumb, unnecessary thing. Before we get started, though, I would like to go a little bit over the whole history of where clothing arrives, because clothing really wasn't gender-specific in the past. It happened at some point that it became becoming separated between genders. And I'm not going to delve too much into the whole gender role thing and the whole, you know, genderless, uh, ge different genders, that type of talk. We're going to stick more to the surface thing, the history of clothing. And from that, we'll talk a little bit about the current state of gender clothing and why it's such a dumb thing. So we began our history around 500,000 years ago when the human was seen using clothing for the first time. It was mostly pelts and covers made of animal fur to protect them from the cold. 
And as a fun fact, the caveman was actually pretty well adapted to the cold. The only reason why the caveman was able to cross the passage of Berlin, you know, the, the whole ice bridge they had to cross to get to America, was because they were so well adapted to the cold. They were so good at being in cold temperatures, even without clothes, that they could simply just cross the bridge and not freeze to death. They had a lot of body hair, which allowed them to retain a lot of heat. So therefore, they were able to get across. So clothing really around this time wasn't seen as much of a priority as it would be later seen. You know, with the evolution of man and its focus on the mind and the social hierarchies created and the order, um, eventually garments came to become a thing. And there's actually many theories that talk about how it happened. The most popular one, called the modesty theory, is one where people see materials as valuable at the time, so they assign the similar value to clothes and their material. And their material. Therefore, the people of higher rank should be wearing fancier clothes made of materials that are more expensive, while other people would wear crappy clothes made out of materials that could be easily found or scraps of other materials. Another theory that kind of contrasts this first theory is known as the immodest theory. This is where sexuality and being naked is assigned a value of sinfulness and wrongfulness. And therefore, they create clothing to keep people away from these things. And the people of higher rank would use materials that are more expensive because they had access to them. And therefore, we get the clothes. Both of these theories could be equally as right or as wrong. But either way, at some point in history, around 500,000 years ago, the first garment is created. And afterwards, when we move on to the surgeons of other cultures, especially the Egyptians, uh, we see more pieces of clothing that we know of today. The first piece of clothing that was ever found by made from a human was a tunic. Tunics. People from higher power in communities or for religious purposes would use these tunics as a representation of the sort of openness and also this access to people, which clothes like pelts would offer. Also, going back to the immodest theory, these pieces of clothing would cover most of the body, especially for women who had breasts out in the open or had their vaginas just sticking out. They would be able to cover everything up and prevent sexual thoughts arising from other people. Egyptians, after this, began using garments made out of silk and cloth, especially with gold ornaments uh, made for those of higher statuses, while the workers and the city people would just stick to regular broken-down robes made out of materials that they could barely gather. And accessories like necklaces also appear, and can be seen mostly in illustrations of gods. So gods would get decorations made out of gold as sort of tribute, and they would wear around them to show their innate value and the fact that they are higher in power. Afterwards, other cultures also began using proper use of silk, such as the Chinese, they focused a lot on making garments that were beautiful, like robes and tunics that people in higher power would use. Afterwards, we have the Greek culture, who often used tunics and robes. But here we see a little bit of a differentiation. 
where instead of trying to not expose anything, the Greeks would actually often show up naked or semi-naked in front of audiences. This wouldn't happen too often, but it would happen. This was because the Greeks actually held the idea that nudity was not an offensive thing, but it was just a normal thing for any human. And it's a very interesting thing when we contrast this to people like the Egyptians or even the Europeans when they began to rise. It's a very different way of seeing things. And we see this repeated pattern of exposing oneself to people with no fear with other cultures that weren't focused in Christianity. For example, over in the ancient ruins of Mexico, people would wear skirts, hats, and decoration around their body due to the fact that they were very close to their very unique religion. As they praised the gods about rain, fire, earth, and even vegetation, these people would often not focus a lot on what they were wearing, but rather their actions and their offerings. Of course, this was a different for monks and people of higher religious power. They would often wear stuff that was decorated or they would wear robes that would suit their position. Afterwards, we have the very popular Europeans. When they started surging out, even more pieces of clothing began to show up, including stuff like shirts, dresses, blouses, pants, pantaloons, shoes, socks, underwear, etc. And this was mostly done because the Europeans worked with a monarchy system. So they began to see that kings were fit for these very very ludicrous, very luscious, very big garments. Therefore, they had to create something that would separate the poor people from the rich people. And so they created these outfits for kings and queens, as well as princes and other people from religion that would separate them from regular people. Although, that is not to be said that regular people would not wear these fancy garments. Regular people would actually show up wearing dresses and shirts and pants, as you could see in a lot of illustrations from medieval times. In medieval times, actually, since there was this huge focus in armor and weaponry, they also began to include clothes, like dresses, that were leaning more towards the exclusive usage by women. During medieval times, we actually see the start of the split between what a man does and what a woman does. A man goes to war, a woman stays in the house. That is what the medieval people thought. And therefore, they required clothes that would suit them. The worker didn't require pretty clothes, or even clothes that were nice. They simply required something that wouldn't break down in the first use. So, they had really poorly done shirts, really poorly done pants, and broken down shoes. Whereas women were seen as soft and sophisticated. So they were seen a lot wearing dresses. Maids especially would wear stuff in their head that would cover their hair to make sure that it wouldn't fall to the floor. And during medieval times, we see the surge of a lot of these. So during these times, actually a lot of different cultures began using different stuff in the way that they wear. So most of them actually stuck to their customs and we can identify their garments back from the past based on the stereotypes and costumes we have today. For example, Indian people would often wear turbans, jewelry on their head, long robes, among other stuff. And as wrong as a lot of these stereotypes can be, they do give us a pretty great look at how they used to wear back then.
So after this, we actually have the era of Victorian times and medieval times. Clothing became much more elaborated and more complex. And so they began presenting a lot of differences between gender. For example, when we look at the royalty, we would see that the queen would get these big wide dresses while the king would get slim and strong robes. This was also to represent their status as well as their gender roles. The king was seen as the powerful man who was in charge of the country, while the queen was just seen as his wife. As sad as this is, this actually began this sort of trend where women would wear these very long, very, very decorated pieces of clothing, and the king would wear very strong, very solid clothing. And the next big jump we have after that is the style of the Englishmen. And as the commoners, referred back then as the bourgeois, they developed a sense of style that was considered elegant and eloquent, using suits, high top and low top hats, white collar shirts, pants, shiny shoes, among others. This also continued the tradition of women wearing dresses, and the royalty also followed suit and continued to present very fancy clothing. The working class, on the other hand, would wear the remains of clothing that the higher class would ditch down. Any material they could gather, they would use to create clothing with a focus on durability and low cost over anything else. Being part of the working class meant you didn't have much money and clothing wasn't seen as a priority by them. Rather, food was seen as a priority. Shelter was seen as a priority. Stuff like button shirts were done very poorly. Long sleeve shirts would be very dirty, and their shoes would be extremely run down, but wearable. And this was all done because they required to wear clothes. They would get cold during the winter, or while they work, they would be completely exposed. So they developed these clothes and wore them, and you could actually separate and differentiate the working class from the high class just based on their clothing. Afterwards, we have the modern era, in which we see a very modern take on the type of fashion that we saw from the Englishmen. Especially in the visual style known as Americana, we see a lot of this fashion style, as women would wear simple and slim dresses, skirts, shirts, and blouses, while men would wear polo shirts, chino pants, jackets, and suits still. This actually began to show a lot of what we know as modern clothing, because these types of clothes were produced in mass, and they were also produced to appeal to the general public. Therefore, nowadays we see a lot of them. We see stuff like t-shirts or colored shirts. In women, we would also see stuff like heels. We would see stuff like sundresses, and hats and watches became a very popular accessories. After this, we would enter an era where expression was at an all-time high and freedom was a big focus. It's the era of 21st century. So expression throughout clothing changed and therefore clothing became more freeform. We could see the use of blouses, skirts, dresses, jackets, shirts, polos, t-shirts, anything else you can imagine. And also during this period, the clothing based on religions and cultures did stick around but they remained under very exclusive groups. This is the reason why you see the Pope wearing these very fancy robes inside of church, and even sometimes outside of church, 
but people wearing robes is seen as sort of weird or not normalized. So that was a very brief way of explaining the history of clothing as general. And if we could see, at the start, gender clothing was not a thing. And this was because people didn't think that nudity was something that would really affect anybody. If you were aroused, you really just wouldn't act on it. Or it would just simply not make a difference. Like, showing off these types of things definitely had less focus. And it wasn't something to be worried about. Then, as we move on to the development of our minds, and the development especially of the Christian religion and the countries based on it, mostly the European culture and the European countries, we see that they begin to put a lot more weight behind nudity, exposure, and dressing appropriately. And then afterwards, it all diverged into clothing between the high class and the low class. And this would include, you know, stuff that the kings would wear and then stuff that the citizens would wear. And between those, there were a lot of differences. So yeah, that is quite a doozy. It's quite a lot to process through. But the main focus here is that at the beginning, clothing really wasn't made specially for anybody. It was just a piece of clothing. And then afterwards, they began separating stuff into two very specific categories. Robes and dresses. Dresses were not seen in men. Robes were seen in men. And they could also be seen in women. Now, why is this important? Because nowadays, people believe that the most feminine thing you could wear is a dress. A dress, a skirt, anything that has that type of shape and that type of alignment is seen as feminine. Now, let's look at another example of where skirts show up. Scottish culture, the use of kilts. Kilts, if you didn't know, are these sort of sewn together skirts that Irish men would wear during festivals and during celebrations, or they would often just wear around the house. These were very common things back in Ireland, and so we have this sort of conflict. Back then, we established that skirts and dresses are feminine, yet men in Irish culture are expected to wear kilts because that's just how they grew up. So then who's in the wrong? Is it us that think skirts are completely feminine? Or is it the Irishmen? No, yeah, it's us. It's absolutely us. Putting that much weight over a piece of clothing is such a dumb thing because clothing does not represent anything other than your personality. Wearing dark clothing might represent that you're a cold person. Wearing blue clothing represents that you're trustworthy. That is all just color theory, and that works because our mind, we are psychologically drawn towards these colors depending on our behavior. And so, we tend to pick out the things that we want to wear based on what we want people to see. Even if we do it unconsciously, this happens really often. And so, we have this sort of conflict yet again on what exactly then defines our gender. But that is a talk for another day. Because right now we're focusing on why gender clothing is a thing. And I'll tell you this much. Clothing has evolved a long way 
a really long way. Now we have access to all kinds of materials. We have access to all kinds of machinery. We have access to all kinds of designers and minds to help us fuel clothing forward. And I think the last thing these people really worry about is if a woman will wear it or if a man will wear it. Of course, there's a couple of exceptions. Most of the things that you see in a Paris run, Paris rundown show, I, I think that's how they're called, most of those are worn by women and are shown off because they're for women. And there, it's pretty fair to think that they are designed with women in mind. We all have different physiologies. We all have different ways our body is shaped. So ideally, we would want to create clothing that would emphasize that or maybe give us a bit more of a toned-down look. It depends a lot on how society sees beauty and how the world pictures perfection. So, these things are for women when they're designed, but that does not make them restricted for men. It doesn't mean that I can't take a dress out of my mother's closet, my sister's closet, wear it, and if I wear it, I'll die. That is just not going to happen. I might get looked weird by because of it, but that is not something that worries me. That is not something that I decide. That is something that society has put down on people. And that is something that has been settled on from back then. Yet right now, a man will wear a skirt or a dress and will be called gay or will be called all kinds of things just because he wore a dress. That not only is such a childish and immature thing, it's just flat out wrong. Clothing does not emphasize your masculinity in any way. If a girl wears a leather jacket, people will often think of her as a tough person. Yet, leather jackets have started making a comeback, and anybody can wear them. Not only tough people, they don't just look good on tough people. They look good on anybody that wears them with style. Now apply that same thing to dresses. Women wear dresses and we're fine with it. A guy does it and all of a sudden he's gay. He's feminine. We assign this gender value to clothes that never shows up in his nature. Even back then, the robes that men and women would wear were only created with the purpose of covering the body up. There was never a point to make a woman more feminine through her clothing, or a man more masculine through, her, through his clothing. And this was mostly because nudity, as I said before, wasn't taboo. It wasn't something that was seen as bad. Rather, it was seen as just a natural thing that people do. You know, people just have their, their body exposed to everybody. And so, what is the difference between a female breast and a man breast? It's just uh, the gender. Clothing that reveals this, it both revealed the same amount of information to everybody. It was up to everybody to define if this was vile, if this was disgusting, or if this was natural, if this was strong, if this was beautiful. And I think the same thing is happening to clothing right now. Not in the sense that we design our clothes to be able to stick out our breasts through it. No. But definitely in the way where now if we want to wear something that girls wear, 
that has the gender value attached to it. But that is not how clothing works. How clothing works is that if I wear a girl t-shirt, I'm just wearing a t-shirt. I really don't understand what makes it girly. Even if we're talking about stuff like color, pink is just a color. You know, red is just a color. Both of them, different shades of the same color, but neither of them are defined by a gender. Neither of them are defined by a gender. Neither of them are gender defined. A woman can wear red lipstick. That does not make her masculine. A man could wear a pink headband, pink shorts. That does not make her that does not make him feminine. I'm mixing up so many words right now. Because masculine and feminine it has a lot of separations. We actually see a lot of these, especially in language. You know, let's say for example French. In French, there are words that are feminine and masculine. They both have different pronouns. What are the differences between these words? Actually, not that much. One of them is that a couple of them end with an A. Some of them, they don't end with an A, and they're still feminine or masculine. It's just that kind of thing where clothing really has become such a popular thing, such a popular topic, especially with designers and with the sort of streetwear culture, and it's seeping into other things, like hip-hop. The fact that hip-hop has really started to pick up on this uh, has really turned people towards it. And so now that there's this gender barrier, we cannot wear whatever we want. And it's a very fucked up way of defining freedom. Because when we think of freedom, I want to think that we are capable of doing anything, or maybe not anything, but as long as you're not hurting anybody, you can... Act on your own accord and not be judged by it. That is what allows you to enjoy Christian music. That is what allows me to be able to read a book about World War II. And that is what should allow me to wear a skirt or a dress out in the open without being called names. So what should you take from all of this? You know, from the history of clothing to right now... The, these whole gender separations, this war on giving women back their power, taking power away from men. What should you take from all of this? Should we all guys go buy a skirt right now and stand outside the White House to protest? Should all girls stop wearing skirts and start wearing manly clothes? Because that's the way we're going to show them. We're going to show them that girls can be masculine too. So I can be feminine too and not be judged by it. Should we go try to write a law that forbids people from telling people that wear skirts that they're gay? Or should we go cancel somebody because they're wearing a shirt outside when you could be wearing a skirt instead? No. I think what you should just take from this is the fact that there's so many ideas in the world that are defined by the people around us. And if we let ourselves be pushed around like that, we'll never move forward. Philosophers never really followed ideas that other people set, but rather they questioned everything. Right now, the biggest philosophers of our era are still questioning ideas that people had back then. If instead, they decided to just lay down and say, you know what, you guys are right, we'll go by that. We wouldn't have as much change as innovation as we do right now. 
And I think the biggest thing that we as people can present to audiences and to the world in general is this sort of behavior where we're going to go change things. We're going to go think about our world and not be chained down by what people thought already. And instead, go think of something else. Because not only is that more fun, that's just progressive in general. And that's a really nice characteristic of people. Uh, I don't know. I might go ahead and buy myself a girl hoodie again. And see how long it takes people to notice that it's a girl's hoodie. If they even notice. Uh, I might. I don't know. Uh, that was it for this episode. One Side of Talks. I was your host today. Thank you for listening.